ourselves. And sometimes we want to play this sport or we want to teach this or whatever it might be. Maybe we're not gifted in that area. And so we try and we don't do very well. Put expectations on ourselves God never puts on us. Then we fail at it. And we think, well, what happened to me? Because you had expectations that God did not even have of you. And so what happens is you, you feel guilty. It's a false guilt. He didn't, he didn't have that expectation of you. That's what you thought. That's what you figured. That was your plan instead of his plan. And so false guilt is very, very damaging to a person's life. Expectations God doesn't even have. Then, of course, when I think about all the things uh, emotionally that bind us, here's one of the worst. Jealousy. Jealousy is a terrible form of bondage. Because here's what happens. Let's say that there's somebody you're jealous of. You know the other person may not even know it. And here you are hurting and suffering and, and going through all kinds of emotional traumas. And the other person doesn't even know you exist. But you feel it because you have the wrong attitude toward them. Maybe you're jealous of them in their position. You're jealous of their grades. You're jealous of where they're headed. You're jealous of what they have. You wish you had what they have. And you don't like it because they have it and you don't. And so you have ill will toward them. Jealous is a form of bondage. And I think about people, for example, if you are dating somebody and the other person shows some interest in somebody else and you just come apart and jealousy sets in in your life. Listen, if you allow jealousy to become a part of your life, you will be in terrible, painful bondage. You will not be able to be happy and jealous at the same time. You can't be. And you may be happy about a few things, but if jealousy is there, you know what it does? It colors everything. It colors everything in your life because somehow you're not going to get it. Somebody's going to take it from you or whatever it might be. And there are many people who are living in bondage. For example, let's say that you are jealous of somebody uh, that you work with. Well, tomorrow morning uh, you walk in and there they are. They don't have to say anything. They may be nice. The nicer they are to you, the worse it feels. Because you see, you have something going on inside of you that is not of God. It is a form of bondage. And it's not right. It's a sin. Jealousy is a sin. It's a sin against the other person, a sin against yourself, and a sin against God. Now, when somebody says, well, wait a minute. What about the Bible says that God is jealous? Well, he's not jealous in a selfish sort of way. When he says he's jealous, that means that his love for us and his desire to bless us and his desire to do good for us is such that that he doesn't want anything doing what? Driving us away from him because he has the best plan. And he wants the best plan for us. He loves us. And he loves us absolutely purely because he desires to express himself toward us in love and kindness and generosity and good things that come our way. I wonder if there's anybody that you could think about today that you're jealous of. Now, we've named some other things, these um, erroneous ideas. Maybe you've had some of these other habits and so forth. But what about emotional things? What about anxiety? If we knew how much money was spent every given year on pills, capsules, shots, you name it, that keep people from being anxious and worried about this, that, and the other, and so forth. And so they go to the doctor, the doctor gives them something to calm it down. Well, in about three months, they've got to have twice as much because the first one has run out. Remember this, the grace of God never runs out. The power of God to set you free never runs out. 
and taking pills because of anxiety and worry. Listen, what did Jesus say? My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, because that doesn't work. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, he says, believe me. I will give you a peace that passes all human understanding. And yet anxiety and worry is a form of bondage. And so no one's perfect. We're not going to succeed at every single thing in life. We'll succeed at the things that God wants us to succeed at. And so when I think about bondage, I think about people who live in this bondage. Guilt over past actions. Things that happened in the past. If you had to do it over again, you wouldn't do it. If you could not say it, you wouldn't say it. You look at situations and circumstances that you would change in a split second if you could, but you can't. And so you live with a guilt, and you live with regret, and you live with deep, deep sorrow in your heart, but you still live with it. And you feel guilty. And so you've brought it to God several times. Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. And I know you have. And then you add that three-letter word, but. Because you can't lay it down. Listen, whatever's happened in your past, no matter what it is, and you are a child of God, and you've asked him to forgive you, he has forgiven you. Now, I could give a lot of excuses if I wanted to, but when he says he's given to me everything I need to live a godly life, that means He's ready to deal with any bondage the moment I'm asking him to. Amen. You're listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. His message, The Truth That Sets Us Free, continues tomorrow. Jesus said that he came to release captives. The things that hold you and me have no hold on him and he offers to release us and enable us to walk in truth and godliness. To listen again, click on the link to Today on Radio at intouch.org. And be sure to look around our website for free resources that will help you let go of things that bind you and instead cling to Jesus. If you'd like to have a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, you can order it from our online bookstore. The title is The Truth That Sets Us Free. Again, log on to intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer, you can write to us at InTouch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia 30357. Are you withholding forgiveness from someone or maybe even in general? Today's moment with Charles Stanley is coming up. In our spiritual journey, we often have questions. How do I know God's will for my life? Does God hear my prayers? Why do bad things happen? The answers are found in the Word of God, but how do we know where to start? The free In Touch devotional can help point you in the right direction with biblically-based content from Dr. Charles Stanley. You'll gain insight and wisdom through daily devotions, Bible studies, and more. The In Touch devotional, delivered monthly to your mailbox. Subscribe for free at intouch.org daily. Are you living a life of preferences or one that's based on God's Word? To enjoy a strong life, one that makes an eternal impact, we have to break free from the factors that make us weak. In Dr. Charles Stanley's book, Standing Strong, believers will find encouragement to construct a life based on the strength of enduring faith built on uncompromised biblical convictions. To order your copy of Standing Strong, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. 
You're listening to In Touch. A spirit of unforgiveness does not fit a Christian. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. Unforgiveness is a serious sin because it affects every relationship. Think about this. It affects your prayer life. You cannot come to Him with confidence and faith, asking God to do for you what you want Him to do, what you feel like He needs. And at the same time, when it comes to forgiveness, you won't forgive someone. So, let me ask you this. How do you pray and ask God for this and ask Him to provide that and to provide this vacation, provide this need over here, and at the same time, you will not forgive someone else no matter what? It's out of character for God to give and give and answer prayer while we are deliberately, willfully sinning against Him. And people oftentimes wonder, well, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Look within. And an unforgiving spirit, you just cancel it out. If this is something you could use some help with, visit us at intouch.org to find resources that can help you truly forgive. Tomorrow on In Touch, God has provided everything we need to live a life that honors Him. And Tuesday, we'll hear how we can take advantage of this incredible provision. I hope you'll join us then for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Why should people exercise or eat better or cut back on caffeine consumption? In the not-so-distant past, the common answer was simple and compelling. Well, it's good for them. Today, however, according to the United Nations, the National Library of Medicine, and the New York Post, one of the main reasons to do these things is to fight off climate change. In fact, you can Google virtually any good habit along with the words climate change and the results are plentiful. Apparently, at least according to the mainstream press and governmental agencies, the best way to sell behavior policies or technology is not to tout the obvious actual benefits for individuals, but rather some tenuous, highly theoretical way that it might, if looked at in the right light and all the stars align, possibly could help cool the planet. Now, this is a telltale sign that whatever the scientific merits of man-made climate change may be, it has become a religious system for many, complete with genuflecting indulgences and ritual invocations. In fact, climate change was recently offered as a reason to engage in an actual religious practice, one that goes back thousands of years and is beneficial, even essential to human well-being. In the Washington Post recently, advice columnist Michael Corrin argued that one way to fight climate change is to take a weekly day of rest. He called his idea a green Sabbath. Quote, clergy are now arguing that this practice, whether in a secular or religious context, can help redirect the world's societies away from catastrophic climate change. In their view, it's as essential to the future as any clean energy technology or electric vehicle. A shared day of rest at a minimum might slow the pace of consumption, curb emissions, ease the burden of so many people, working weary weekends, end quote. In a sense, Korn paraphrased Pope Francis, who argued in a 2015 encyclical that refusing to rest is bad for the earth. According to Korn, quote, the constant drive to produce and consume more is squandering natural resources, and it prevents us from treating the living world and one another with dignity and respect, end quote. Now, of course, there's a little bit of truth that he's pointing to here. In addition to the weekly personal Sabbath instituted in creation by God, the 
Israelites were to recognize a Sabbath rest for the earth every seven years. According to Exodus 23, the Israelites were to let fields lie fallow, and their refusal to do this was among the reasons given for the Babylonian captivity, during which, according to 2 Chronicles, God gave back to the land the Sabbath years that it had missed. Still, the weekly Sabbath rest, Jesus said, was created primarily for man. The pattern of work and rest was established by God in the very beginning when he created for six days and then rested on the seventh. He set a rhythm there that his image bearers and vice regents were to follow each week. In other words, creation gets a rest because we need a rest, not the other way around. In his article, Corrin sort of acknowledged that this practice of a day of rest dates back more than 2,600 years and that its foundations were actually religious, not environmental. Still, the whole piece is burdened and preoccupied with a need to justify this inherently good and deeply biblical practice of rest with a nod to fighting climate change. The Sabbath, just like exercise, eating better, less coffee, is good for us because of how God made us. The strange need today to justify everything with another threat of catastrophe is anything but restful. Stressful, actually. In fact, the original reasons to take a day off each week are better than any appeal to reducing carbon emissions. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, visit Breakpoint.org. I-Y-K-Y-K. Or, if you know, you know. It's a text abbreviation you use when you're in the know about a topic which other people may not be. However, there's one topic where Billy Graham said everyone should be in the know. So many people go to church, but they're not sure their sins are forgiven. They're not certain that if they died, they'd go to heaven. And you want to be certain. You can know for certain if you're going to heaven by asking Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and by making him the Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus can touch you tonight and give you a new life, forgive all the past, and give you the assurance that when you died, you'd go to heaven. Find out how to be completely sure you're going to heaven by visiting our website, findpeacewithgod.net. When you're there, click on Begin a Relationship with Jesus. That's findpeacewithgod.net, and it's from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.